All right, what's up, Salt Company? Good to see you all here tonight. If you haven't met me yet, my name is Drake. I'm the director of Salt Company here. I would love to meet you guys, so come up after the service. But um, a little bit of a reason, like I'm, I'm, I've been excited to get up here on this stage to preach with you guys, to bring the Word of God, but I, there's been something keeping me away for a little bit for the first couple weeks. So I want to show you guys a, a quick picture on the reason why I've been away, my wife and I had our first little girl, Zeta Bell Epkis, so we can get that picture up on the screen. Oh, there she is. Come on. Yeah, she's amazing. All right. I'm guessing you guys want to see another one, right? Okay, let's, let's do it. Next photo. <laughs> okay, so this is her three-week photo. This is the first time that she actually loved the tub. Um, the unfortunate thing... Immediately after this photo, she pooped in the tub. So we're still, still working on that. Uh, but she's been a delight, guys. But again, I'm, I'm so pumped to be with you guys. It's been so fun to see what God's been doing in Salt Company already this semester. And we've been doing this series called Back to the Basics. You can take that photo down. I mean, leave it up if you want. Obviously a great photo. Uh, but we've been doing this series Back to the Basics. And tonight we find ourselves going over the topic of community. And so if you have a Bible... Open it up to Colossians 3. That's where we're going to be parking. Last week, Tony was in Philippians. It's the book right before that, so you can turn to Colossians 3. Um, but as I began looking at this topic of community, it's obvious that the world is realizing that we are made for community. Like, we're made for relationships. I found this study by a UCLA professor that was basically trying to understand Okay, how does the wiring of the human brain interact with relationships? Like the people that we surround ourselves, how does that affect our brain? And here is the wild result that he found. Okay, a lack of relationships, so someone being withheld from relationships, has a similar effect on your brain that alcohol does and smoking 15 cigarettes a day. So here's what the study found. Our brain is wired for relationships. Two quick thoughts I had when looking at the study. Okay, this guy who did this study spent a ton of time and a ton of money researching and coming up with the conclusion that we don't like to be lonely. Okay, can I, can I just get a raise of hands? Who in this room does not like being lonely? Just put them up real quick. Okay, study done. 100% of people don't like being lonely. Like, we get that. But this study takes it to the next level. Second thing I see from this study, this is a groundbreaking study that's actually just catching up with what Scripture has been saying all along. Like if you look at the beginning of the Bible, we see that we were made in the image of God who is a communal God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We were made in his likeness, therefore we know that we were made for community. But it was a couple pages later that we see that evil and sin entered the world creating division in our relationships. And we see throughout the whole story of the Bible that that division continues on and on. And it finds us here today. So here's what we know. Okay, we desire community. Like, we all want to be a part of something. Like, FOMO is real. We all feel that. But we want more than just community. Like, we, we want a community that is united and that we actually find joy in being a part of. And so we hear 
the words of Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream that people will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And we feel the weight of those words. Some people in this room more than others. And the simple question I have is, do you know why we long for that? Because we were made for that. We were made to exist in a community where the only stipulation for if someone has value is if they are an image bearer of God, and that's everyone. Because when we value them, we value God because we're valuing God's image that he has placed in them. We all want community, but more than that, we want one that exists in harmony with one another. One that feels united, that we all get to be a part of together. And here is the big point that I want you to walk away with tonight. Only in Christ is our dream for community possible. You might have had different experiences with the church, but here's what I want you to hear. Only in Christ is our dream for community possible. So let's look at the first point. What is the problem with community? Like, why, is it, why isn't this something that we are experiencing right now? Let's look at Colossians 3, starting in verse 5. So it says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Let's stop right there. Okay, so right away, as we're looking at this text, we're going to see two different groups of people. We're going to see the old self and the new self. And it's important for us to understand what those are. The old self is someone before they have put their faith in Jesus, before they've been saved by his grace, where they are living for, his, for their own purposes and for their own desires. But the new self is when someone's heart has been regenerated by the Spirit of God, and actually they are no longer living for themselves, but Jesus has come and saved them, redeemed them, and now the purposes of their life align with his. That's the new self. And so we see two lists of people and what it looks like to live in the old self. And I actually want to focus in on the second list that we see. So we see anger, wrath, Malice, slander, and obscene talk. And the reason why I want to focus on this is because, guys, like, I see it talk, like anger being talked about in the Bible. But if I'm honest with you guys, I, I'm never convicted by it. Like, if I think about it, like, I know that anger exists in my own heart. But I don't feel like it's something that I need to get rid of. I don't feel like it's something I need to put to death. And I just found myself asking, why is that the case? It's obvious. Well, anytime I'm angry, well, it's their fault. Like, they're, they're the ones in the wrong. Maybe you should go have a conversation with them about it. Because obviously, my reasoning of being angry is justified. And so we might say things like, okay, you don't know what they said. If, if you knew what they said, you would understand why, why I'm angry. Or they believe this, so it totally makes sense for me to be angry right now. Or, I cannot believe they act like this, and since they do, I have the right to be angry. Guys, the reason why these come to my mind is that I've experienced all three of these in the past two weeks. 
Okay, these have been things that have come up in my mind. And the thing about it is every single time it's on them. Okay, they probably have something they need to share. They probably have some anger issue going on in their heart, but it's not me. Have you seen this in your own heart? So a lot of you spending time at home over break, and maybe you got in a a couple heated discussions with your parents, and you found yourself being a little bit angry, like how can you believe that? Or some of you in this room, in this past year, you've had some anger arise in your heart, and you're like, how can you be a Christian and be on this or that side of the argument? Or even anger with a roommate for not doing their part around the house. And some of you are thinking about that roommate right now. And I want you to see that it's the anger within your own heart that I'm talking about here. Show some grace. That was me in college. So, um, but guys, here's what struck me about this passage. Let's, let's throw up verse 7 and 8 on the screen. Here's what struck me about this passage. Let's look back at the text. We have so many qualifiers for why we have the right to be angry. But let's look back at the text and see what are the qualifiers that you see. So it says, In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Where does it say, don't be angry unless? Where in the text does it say, don't slander until? There's not a single one. Why is that significant for us to hear? It's saying you must put them all away. What it's communicating to us is that the problem isn't placed on the other person that we are convinced it is, but rather the problem is that you are walking in the old self as if you haven't been saved by Jesus. What's been so convicting about this text for me is that it is saying that the problem of community is you. The problem is me. Okay, guys, so obviously you saw the cute photos earlier. It's been a wild three weeks as Zeta's entered into our life. Um, it's pretty strange with a newborn, okay? Because they can't see anything. They can't smile. Uh, so it just looks like they're questioning everything. And then they just sleep all the time. So the hangouts have been pretty, pretty incredible. Um, we basically spend a ton of time just staring at her, which... As a baby, it's cute. Probably gets more weird later on. But we just spend time looking at it. And there's this hilarious and very unfortunate thing that happens. So she can't control her limbs. So her arms are just like sometimes just like flying around, kind of spazzing. And she will just be sitting there, so peaceful, sleeping with a giant bow that's bigger than her head. And all of a sudden, her arm will just fly out of nowhere and just bam, hit her right in the face. And she's just like what in the world? Like, so then she'll just like regather herself and then all of a sudden left hand, bam, like look. And she's just like, you can tell like what's going on in her mind. I, I imagine she's like, okay, what, what are these foreign objects? Okay. That are coming in like missiles hitting my face. Cause I'm not a fan of that. And so I'm like, okay, here, here's a pep talk we need to have Zay. Um, here's the thing. Those things that you think are missiles are actually your hands. And those hands are very much attached to your body. And so what that means is that you don't have to hit yourself in the face if you don't want to. It's kind of your call. 
The funny thing about the situation is that you are kind of the problem in this scenario and you don't even realize it. Here's what this text is saying about your anger in this community. You are the problem and you don't even realize it. In this area, you might align more with culture with your finger pointing out towards someone than the biblical lens that would point it right back on your own heart. And some of you right now, when this topic of unity and diversity comes up, you are doing this by saying, I told you so. Rather than seeking to find out what you need to hear from this message. And so it's simple. Do you have any anger in your heart? Don't justify it. Don't try to write it off. Do you have any anger in your heart? Put it to death. Here's five quick ways that I want us to practice putting anger to death. Number one, confess it. Confess it to God. And if you need to confess it to someone specifically, do that. Number two, pray for that person. And I know the temptation is to pray for all the things that are wrong about them, but actually pray for their betterment. Three, pursue to serve and love them. It's very difficult for us to be consumed with all the things we hate about someone if we're laying down our life and serving and loving them. Four, learn more about their strengths. A lot of times what we do is we pinpoint the weaknesses of a person. We bring them down to only be that. And we don't learn about the strengths of that person. So learn about their strengths. Number five, when you fall short, and you will, preach to yourself the grace that God has extended to you to welcome you back into his family and jump back to number one. So in putting away anger, we are removing the very thing that causes division in this family. That is the call. How are we freed up to do this? Because this is hard. Like we don't want to do this when we're angry. This isn't something that comes natural to us. Number two, Point two is that we have a greater unity. Let's look back at the text. Verse 10, And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Okay, guys, so he's listing off a group of people who have been incredibly divided. Like physical walls literally built to where they couldn't associate with one another. You had the Jewish people who are the people of God. These are the people called to be a part of God's mission to the world. And then you have all the people that weren't. Okay? And so you can imagine maybe this, the platform that the Jewish people would put themselves on and look down on the people that weren't like them. And then it continues to list off groups who are radically different from one another all the way from slave to free. And we see that as this list continues, that these are some of the most divided people in history. That there's a tension amongst these people that almost seems impossible to close the gap on. But unfortunately, this isn't something that's that unfamiliar to us. We have seen and felt an incredible weight of division between people of different color in this nation and our world. We have seen people who are made in the image of God treated with less value than they deserve. And if anything, 
it feels like things are becoming more broken, not better. But I want to draw your eyes to the words right before the list of all those divided people. Let's look where it says. Four simple words. Here, there is not. Guys, what he's communicating is because of the redeeming work of Christ, because of what Christ did by coming to this world, dying for our brokenness, rising from the grave in victory, every wall that has ever existed amongst people has been shattered. I don't care if that's politically or ethnically, Christ is saying that those walls have been shattered completely. So here's what that means for Saul Company. Guys, I'll be the first to say it. We're not a perfect community, okay? If this is your first time, hang around long enough, we'll let you down. But here's what that does mean. It's because we see the work that Christ has done. We see that he has broken down the walls that divide us as people. We are going to strive to be the community that God calls us to be. We are going to strive to be that harmonious community that he has welcomed us into. And so in this family, we will not disrespect one another. In this family, we will not talk poorly of other people. I don't care if it's you trying to gain some insight on how to talk to someone about a certain issue. We will not talk poorly about one another. In this family, we will not let our differences be a means of division. And if it does, I just want you to be ready to be lovingly called out. Because anything that stirs up division is not welcome in this family. Because that's not who we are anymore. We sang the God who died came back to life and everything has changed. We want to live as if that's true. Jesus didn't sit on his throne and look down on this earth and say, wow, those people are so different from me. I'm going to hang back. Okay, in the gospel, we actually see the greatest division that has ever happened between our brokenness and a holy God. But Jesus didn't just sit back. No, he, he pursued after us. He came to this earth and pursued after us and showed, I'm going to pursue you even though you are different. I'm going to pursue you to love you, not based on what you do, but because I love you. And he showed that love for us by going to the cross, bearing all of our shame, like even the shame that you're thinking about from this past week, even where you fell short this past week, they're like, I don't know if I can come to this room. He bore that shame for you already. And when he rose from the grave, he knocked down every wall that divided us from relationship with him. And so Jesus goes to the religious elite. He goes to Nicodemus and he's like, hey, Nicodemus, though you've seen yourself as someone who's earned your way to God, though you've seen yourself as someone who had enough good works to be right with God, that's not true, for one. You're incredibly far off, but I invite you in to my family. He also goes to the woman at the well, the very next chapter in John, the, one, the woman that's an outcast of the outcast who has such a huge pile of brokenness that she doesn't even think he's going to start a conversation with her. 
And yet he says, I have paid the penalty for all of that. I invite you into my family. And he comes to you. And I don't care what pile of brokenness you have in your past. I don't know. I don't care what you think is keeping you from Jesus, but he paid for that completely on the cross. Now he invites you in. Like, do you want to be in relationship with Jesus? You can't. That has already been won for you. And so now we see that Jesus has entered into our hearts and he's changed everything about us. And so what that means for us as a family is that we have confidence that the very thing that unites us together is profoundly greater than the sum of anything that could ever divide us. Let me say that again. The thing that unites us in Christ is profoundly greater than the sum of anything that could ever divide us. So about a year and a half ago, my wife and I moved up here from Iowa. Um, and I quickly learned that Minnesotans have this weird like anger towards Iowans. Iowans, how you say it. Um, and so I, I found myself having to like defend myself. And if you're angry right now at the fact that I moved up from Iowa, I would say just look back at notes from point one. But here's the thing, guys. I, I'm growing. I'm growing to love the Gophers. I'm cheering for the Gophers. So let's just establish that right now. But imagine that there was a uh, gopher football player and a Hawkeye football player. Okay, so they played each other in college year after year. They grew to just hate one another more and more. And then they both get drafted by the Vikings, okay? But imagine that those players were just like, I'm not going to play with this guy. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm not going to even step in the same locker room as this dude. As He was a Hawkeye. Are you serious? Like, no, that wouldn't happen. Why? Because they've been brought to a better team. Like they're on a new team together where they're fighting for a common goal together to win for their new team. They're not going to focus on the differences that they once had. That would be ridiculous. Yet we do this all the time. We forget the greater purpose that unites us, which leaves us focusing on what divides us. Dehadi Lewis, in his uh, book called Advocates, which I would highly recommend, he says this quote. We tend to be more defined by the adjectives in front of what it means to be new creations in Christ than we are defined by the Christ we are in. Labels can be so divisive because they reveal that we see one another primarily through what divides us rather than what unites us. Here's what he's basically saying. In this family, we don't put a microscope on our differences. We put a a spotlight on the cross. We don't put a microscope on our differences. We put a spotlight on the cross. And we want to fix our eyes on the very thing that brings us all together, which is Christ and what he did for us on the cross. And I want to make sure that you guys hear something. Because what I'm not saying is that our differences do not matter. In Christian community... Unity is not uniformity. Our differences are incredible because our differences that we have actually resemble another aspect of God's image that we get to see by us all coming together. That is a beautiful picture of God that we want to celebrate. But here's what I am saying. Only when Christ and the unity that we have in Christ is the most important thing 
is when our differences will be a means of celebration and not a means of division. Only when Christ is the most important thing that unifies us will our differences be a means of celebration rather than division. And only in Christ can there be a unity and diversity in this room. Why is that? Because only in Christ are we not trying to fight for reconciliation, but we're operating out of the reconciliation that's already been won for us by Jesus. And I want to stop real quick. I want to speak to the minorities that are in the room tonight. Because this might be a tiring message for you to hear. And I can't imagine. I can't. And that sucks. But I want you to be encouraged by God's word here. Because he gives us a promise of what a community can look like if we operate out of what Christ has won for us. And this might just feel like another space where you're a minority in a majority space. But hear from me that we desire that you can find Salt Company as your home. We desire that you can feel welcomed in here at Salt Company to where you can pursue to know and love Jesus more with this family. That you are incredibly valued because you are an image bearer of God and that we are so thankful that you are here. Our third point is that we want to be a people that walk in the new community. Imagine what this could look like for me. Imagine, even in your own thoughts, what a harmonious community established by love and peace, what that would even look like. What if, when discussing some of the most heated topics and conversations, there was an overwhelming sense of peace and gentleness because we were people walking the fruit of the Spirit. What if we would never diminish someone to the negative aspects about them, but we would see the value that they hold by being an image bearer of God? What if we would not wait for someone to give us a reason to love them, but would just do it because Christ gave his all for us? What if we would didn't just pursue conversations with those that are like us, but would interact and welcome people into our lives that aren't like us at all? What if minorities who enter this space would not feel like they have to change to fit in, but would rather know that their culture and differences are celebrated here as well? What if we learn to be thankful for the giftings that other people have first rather than critical about aspects about them? What if... We would not demand someone to get on our level of understanding, but we would actually lower ourselves to serve them. What if we were not be so consumed by our own problems that we would actually see the difficulties that other people are going through, whether they're like ours or they're different, and we would bear one another's burdens? What if the finger for us wasn't pointed out towards other people, but was directed right back in our own heart, saying, where do, where do we fall short? Where do I not measure up? Where, how can I serve other people? What if this was our community? Can you imagine? Like how amazing would that be if that was the love and the peace and the harmony that was experienced in this family? 
that people felt welcome to come in this room, that people, people felt a part of this space, that everyone felt that this could be a home for them. Let's look back at Colossians 3, starting in verse 12. It says, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. This text is saying, you want that type of community? Put it on. Christ has already broken down every wall that divides us from him. And he's already broken down every wall that divides us from one another. And we get the joyful opportunity to walk in that reality. To live in that harmonious community with one another. To welcome in people who aren't like us. To make them feel loved and cared for in this space. Salt Company, we have an opportunity to display to the world what harmony within community actually looks like. How can we take steps in this direction? The first thing is, I want you to be someone that creates community and doesn't wait for it to happen. Guys, you cannot be a faithful follower of Jesus outside of community. Like if you just even look at one command to love one another, how do you do that when you're not around one another? So the call is that we need to be involved in community. So the most simple application for us to take a step forward towards that type of community is sign up for a connection group at Salt Company if you're not involved with one already. Because what you're doing there is that you're surrounding yourself with people who you can love. You're surrounding yourself with people that you can actually bear their burdens. You can serve them. You can care for them. So jump into a connection group. Next thing, love people for where they're at, not where you want them to be. And then as we join in community, we love them. We want them to come as they are. And we're praying that all of us would look more like Jesus. So we'd be striving to look more like him. Next, pursue to understand and care for people that are different than you. So maybe when you're here at Salt Company, understand it's probably a little more difficult, like we're getting ushered to seats and ushered out from our seats, but make it a priority to meet someone who isn't like you at all, who doesn't look like you, who doesn't think like you. Like step out to meet someone because we realize that our differences pale in comparison to the thing that unites us, and that's Christ and the cross. Let's be aware of the struggles that people have that are different than us. And they're not weird because they're different. They're just different. So let's be learners of people's difficulties so that we can bear them with them. Be slow to speak and quick to listen. This is something that I've been so challenged by in this past year, that I would be someone who would be slow to speak slow to bring my thoughts to the table, and quick to listen to others. Let's do that with one another. And lastly, let's cast a spotlight on the cross. Let's fix our eyes 
on Christ. Let's look at the very thing that unites us, the mission that we all get to take part in together, that we get to be joined together to live for something so far greater than this world, but for the kingdom of God that lasts for eternity. Guys, just like a stained glass window that has different parts that come together to create a more beautiful end product than it was in the first place, so God wants to use this room He wants to use this family to bring people together in a harmonious community. Not so that the world would just look in and say, wow, those people love one another. Those people actually exist in peace with one another, though they're different. But they would see the harmony and they would fix their eyes on the only God that made a way for that harmony to exist. Let's read John 13, 34. Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Let's pray. Jesus, I need you tonight as I preach this text. God, I've been so convicted by uh, my own anger that's in my heart. The very thing that I accuse other people of being in the wrong where I don't realize where I'm in the wrong myself. God, thank you for being a God that didn't just see that. You saw that brokenness, and you saw the brokenness from my entire life. And you said, I am still willing to go to the earth to die, to bring them back into relationship with me. And so, God, that is the the joyful news that everyone in this room, we get to celebrate tonight. That no matter how we walked in these doors, no matter whether we felt like we were killing it this week, whether we felt like we were falling short and falling flat on our face, we get to come before you and see a God who saw our brokenness and said, yeah, I'll take that. I'll die on the cross for you. And God, I pray that there would be an incredible ripple effect in this community because of what you've accomplished on the cross. God, I pray that we would see what unites us as profoundly greater because it is. God, I pray that we would join together on that mission and celebrate the differences that we have. I pray that we would move forward, realizing that reconciliation has already happened on the cross. So why are we living as if that's not true? And Jesus, I I delight, and now we get to respond and worship to you as one family. Amen. Saul Company, so we are going to respond and worship. I know, big surprise. Um, But here's what I've been thinking about this week. I've been pumped for us to respond in worship together right now because I think worship gives us one of the most visible displays that we are in on this together. We are praising God for his glory together. We are singing the same song because Christ has allowed us to sing the same song. And so what we are going to do now is we're going to sing a song that has four words that speak so clearly why what unites us is so much more profound than anything that could ever divide us.
four words that communicates like what the new purpose of our life is, what the new purpose of this family is, that we get to bind together to pursue with one another. So guys, let's just stand. Let's stand and we'll enter back into worship and we'll sing these words, all hail King Jesus. Let's worship him together.